Welcome to the Tell Janice Radio Show, where you will hear inspiring stories about life, love, and labor from amazing women to help lift you up. Now, here's your host, Janice. Thanks very much, and welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're listening, and I'm sure you're going to learn a lot from our guest today. But before we get started, I wanted to remind you that if you know of a fabulous female that you would like me to give a shout-out to with a few words of encouragement, acknowledgement, or congratulations, please let me know their names by clicking on the link at telljanice.com. My guest today is Carrie Hummingbird out of Austin, Texas. She is a transformation coach and author, and her company's name is Carrie Hummingbird. Carrie's going to be talking to us about making the journey from we to me. Welcome to the show, Carrie. Hi, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing terrific. I'm so excited to have you on today. I like to get started with our guests um, telling a little bit about themselves. Would you like to start with that? Sure, absolutely. Um, I have been on a journey uh, with some high-profile spiritual thought leaders for the last four years since the ending of my marriage, which was a very codependent relationship that I had for 20 years. And so over the last four years with these spiritual thought leaders, I have been completely reframing my story of life and finding my authentic self and stepping into life for me. And that's really the subject of my work that I'm doing right now and my latest book, From Me to Me. Well, I love that, and I want to hear more about your journey, as our guests do. Um, you mentioned being in a 20-year marriage that you walked away from about four years ago. Can you tell us a little bit about the challenges you faced becoming single again? Absolutely. Um, as you could guess, it's quite a different lifestyle living for yourself after you've spent 20 years being in a relationship where every decision – was being made uh, in conjunction with another person. And uh, my ex-husband and I were very much, uh, our marriage was very much coordinated in terms of every single decision that we made. We made us a unit Uh and, um, you know, all of our life choices. And so stepping out of that construct into one where it was solely me responsible for all of the decisions, financial, financial, yard work, housework, things that I had never really done myself before. All of a sudden, I had to figure out how to do all of those things and start figuring out what were the things that I I actually believed for me because I think a lot of things that happen in a, in a codependent relationship are that there's a lot of discussions and decisions that are made that maybe not 100% authentic for you. But you kind of go along because you want to make it work. So part of that process of becoming single again is to start figuring out how, what do you think? How do you want to live your life? Right, which in essence is why you're going to be talking to us about we coming, you know, from we to me. That's, That's huge for a lot of us women. Being in a relationship for so long, I've been there myself, and all of a sudden you're left to your own devices and, and what you're going to do. And, and it's, there's a time I think where you have to get into being a little bit selfish in a way where probably you weren't selfish and you were trying to do, you know, everything for the person. How old were you when you got married, Carrie? Yeah. So I think that it's very difficult to step into living for yourself, making your own choices and, 
not immediately trying to find a replacement. So I found myself saying, this marriage doesn't work for me, and I think there's somebody better for me out there. And so immediately I was looking for the replacement person. And it took me really a couple of years of hard uh, work with myself and sitting through the discomfort of being alone and learning to like my own company before I could let go of that. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's a really big journey letting go of that desire to have someone to, quote, take care of you. And as a woman, I think it's, it's such a beautiful, it's, it's been a really beautiful experience for me to realize that a lot of the stories that were in my head about I need a partner because they were false. And the only way it, I found out that those things were false was by proving it to myself. Right. What what a journey. My goodness. So finding your authentic self. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Um, one of the things that was happening at the end of my marriage was that I had gotten myself over a period of 20 years into a place of being extremely not authentic um, by going along, by um, just trying to keep the peace and, and keep everything going. I had forgotten how to use my own voice. And so part of what happened, uh, what had to happen was I had to start being honest with myself about my own truth, about what I actually felt about situations. And that took a lot of being alone, actually. It took Mm -hmm. some time of reflection. It took time of deep spiritual inquiry. And I found it really helpful to read a lot of spiritual books uh, by other authors who had made a similar journey to employ those methods in my own life. And to deepen with some teachers locally that I was in in practice with, to deepen with them into this inquiry of who am I and what do I want from life? Who am I really? And it takes a long time to sort through those things, and you have to give yourself the space to sort through those things. Right. And I think that I was also distracting a lot. So at the end of my marriage, I was in some very rebellious behavior. I was using a lot of distraction methods like alcohol, to keep myself from feeling. And so a big part of the journey also was dropping into stillness, letting go of the habits that were keeping me busy and distracted, and settling into that uncomfortable place to see what am I feeling under there that I don't want to feel. Right. So I think a large part of it is coming into the feeling sense of being alone. Well, a lot of us struggle with that, and it is very hard to be alone, especially in a situation where you're also, you know, grieving over a relationship that is no longer, right, and dropping into stillness. Um, Did you have a support system at the time, family, children, friends? I really, my, yeah, my sons, I have two sons who were um, just entering junior high and high school at the time, I think, Um, it was a while ago. So it was four years ago. So um, I had my sons. They were with me 50-50. And I had some friendships. But the thing that happens at the end of the relationship a lot of times is that the friends you had as a couple may not be friends anymore once you're single. And I think right. the reason for that is because, you know, they were there to support your 
journey as a couple. So I really had to start reaching in to find new friends. And it's, I think it's very relevant because the person that you are in the journey that you're beginning is a very different journey. And the people that you were friends with as couples aren't really prepared to help you with the next phase of your journey in being single and finding yourself. So I actually found a women's circle in Austin with Heather Ashamara, who's my mentor, and started training with that circle. Mm-hmm. So I do think um, finding community of other women who are going through the journey of finding themselves is extremely helpful. And it, and it helps me to be strong and give myself the time and space so that I can let go of the constructs. Right. society constructs that say, oh, well, you, you know, you're not complete unless you have another person. If you're a woman, you can't make it without a man. You're going to be scared and, you know, can't support yourself. There's a whole lot of, you know, these sort of like beliefs that are ingrained um, that I started noticing in myself. And they're not true. But we don't know that they're not true until we survive them. Exactly, exactly. And over those um, or the last four years that you've been single and you've made a switch and, and friendships and surrounding yourself with supportive people and women's groups, are, do you still find hurt from from those last, you know, have you gotten over some of the hurt that you went through? Does it ever go I, away? Um, well, yeah, I have definitely noticed uh, I dove into my spiritual inquiry and a lot of the way that I I did my healing, I used pretty much every modality I could find to do personal healing. So I did acupuncture, I did energy healing, coaching. Um, I practiced the Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, which I think are beautiful, and I recommend them to all of my clients. Um, so I dove into personal healing, mm-hmm. and I looked at all aspects of my life. And as I healed myself, I noticed that the, that I was less and less triggered by my ex-husband, who, of course, I'm in contact with this whole time because we have children and we're co-managing the kids. Of course. So when this began, I was just, I needed to get away from him. And so I was putting up all these walls. And in the last four years, we have, I have worked on myself so much, and this isn't even him working on himself. This is me working on me. I, because I have done all this work on myself, I have been able to shift my relationship with my ex-husband to the point where he actually came to one of my workshops on New Year's Day and brought a girlfriend, and it was fine. Wow. Um, so, Yeah. <laughs> When you, when you do your personal work, it doesn't require the other person doing anything. It's almost like leading by example, right? So he he's seen a growth in you, most likely, and that's that's huge. You came to one of your workshops with a girlfriend. I want our he listeners came to, the to hear workshop. that. Yeah, yeah. And he he told me afterwards. He said, "Wow, it's a beautiful thing to see you standing in your power." And I was so impressed. And this is a person who previously would have naysayed this journey mm -hmm. I've been on um, Mm -hmm. to be a spiritual coach. That's wonderful. when When we do our personal work, 
it ends up affecting every relationship in our lives. And But there's a period of disintegration, and that's very uncomfortable. So there was a period, even with the loss of my marriage, there was a period of about a year where I lost my parents as well because there was so wow. much going on argumentatively inside of me and the way I was behaving with myself and with others that we actually had a big time out. We didn't, I, mm-hmm. I didn't know if I was ever going to have a relationship with my parents again. So there's, so there is this faith that you can get through, that you can get through this disintegration period to become who you actually are. And once you become who you really are, all, a lot of those things will fall back into place in a new way that's healthier. Well, they, they certainly should, especially. It's a, hard, it's a hard journey. In those four years, too, because you mentioned having two young sons, did you, I mean, this is probably a stupid question, but I, can you talk to our listeners about the guilt that you possibly felt, you know, walking away from that with two young sons and how you, how you kind of pushed forward with that and got, got through it? Yeah, so to be quite honest, when I left my husband, the frame of mind that I was in at the time was was almost like a rebellious teenager. Um, mm-hmm. There had been a control dynamic, and I was basically acting out and saying, you know what, I'm free. I don't want your control anymore. I'm gone. So I had um, I had the fire of rebellion to get me out the door. However, within about a month, my uh, children had been visiting, had been spending time with him, and he had dropped them off. And they came in to my house, and they were crestfallen. And I didn't know what had happened. But they mm-hmm. walked up to me, and my, my younger said, son looked at me and said, Mommy, I just saw Daddy kiss another woman. And he burst oh. into tears. Oh. And at that point, uh, my heart broke, and I thought, what have I done? Because I didn't anticipate the consequences of my choice. I knew I had to do it for me. I knew I needed to leave. But I hadn't even predicted the consequences of that choice on my children and what actions might happen as a result of my choice. So I, I have had, I definitely had guilt at that point. And on my journey, what I've come to is the realization that what I can do is focus on my healing and focus on myself and provide support and love for my children and know that the journey that they're on, they chose this journey as a soul. They chose to be have me as a parent. They chose to be involved in this dynamic with me. And therefore, they must need the learning that they're getting right now. All in my heart, and I'm acting out of compassion and love with my children, even if something painful happens, I trust that this is for their growth in a way that I can't understand. Right. And they're they're doing better now, I assume. They're doing great. Yes. And we've we are getting along much better as a separated family. <laughs> so we are uh <laughs> yeah, there's there's bumps in the road and you know, as in as in any family there are bumps in the road and there's shifting tides of sentiment. Um, however we navigate that in a very conscious way together. Mhm. 
Well, you know, they're looking at your example, too. Um, I am very intrigued on your your background in the training, and it includes certification as an energy healer, a firewalker, or firewalk instructor, excuse me, a warrior goddess coach. And can you tell us how you got all that started? As soon as I left my marriage, about six months in, I realized that I was the one that I needed some healing, that I wasn't all his fault. Like there was some work for me to do. And so I ended up getting involved with a local uh, program called Spirit Path, which is a path to authenticity. And it happened to be a uh, spiritual program led by a local shaman, uh, Gary Starn. And that got me involved with uh, the Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And it also got me involved in a path that eventually led to my energy healing school with the Four Winds. So the Four Winds is energy healing uh, from Peru that was created Mm -hmm. by Alberto Valaldo. He's a medical anthropologist who studied in Peru for 25 years. Mm -hmm. And so um, I started taking that curriculum. At the same time, I started taking uh, classes from Heather Ashamara, who is a protege of Don Miguel Ruiz, and she lives in Austin. So she has a program called Warrior Goddess. And I started that program with her at the same time several years ago that I was starting my energy medicine training. So those uh, spiritual paths have basically led to a complete transformation in my persona, in myself, and Mm -hmm. led me to my authentic place. So. Now I'm able to share those gifts with other people. So I love it. It's very exciting. That is that is exciting. So let me understand something. Now your company, you know, you have your own company and you've gone through the training that you just spoke about and your company's Carrie Hummingbird. But what did you do before that? What were you doing well, be- like during your 20-year marriage? During my 20-year marriage for m- most of the time, I was doing uh, technical writing as a consultant, so completely different field, very geeky. Um, I was always a writer, but I was writing things, you know, step one, click this button, uh, for about 20 years. And I did that as a consultant and Mm -hmm. also doing artwork. So I'm an artist. Um, I was, for a brief time in uh, 10 years ago, I was the executive director of Silicon Valley Open Studios. So I have a big passion for the arts, and so I've always had this dual nature, you know, of, of mm-hmm. this, this mind that wants to figure out how things work, and this artistic side where I have a really strong visual cortex, mm-hmm. and all of those skills, as it turns out, play in perfectly to doing the kind of work that I do with clients in energy healing. So they were just a great transition. What what a whole huge transition you've made from being in those technical into what you're doing now. That's terrific. Yeah, it's kind of uh, completely unexpected, and I love that spirit does that. always um, brings you to a place that you would never have expected, and you need all the things that you collected along the way. It's sort of like Steve Jobs in his commencement speech at Stanford that's on YouTube talks about how you can only connect the dots looking backwards. You can never predict it going forward. I would have never predicted that I would do energy medicine and be you know, this spiritual coach that would have never been something I would have thought would be my destiny. Yeah. 
I like that connecting the dots, and it's true. Moving backwards, I've always thought and it took me a long time to finally c- decide that, you know, everything happens in its course. You know, yeah, we could have made different decisions over the way or along the way, but um, it, this is the way it should have happened. And in your situation, certainly. Yeah, and I love the fact that it's a complete mystery. I'm in usually in a complete mystery of what's going to happen in the next six months, in the next week, in the next day. <laughs> and it's kind of this really exciting uh, world that I live in now where I'm completely held and provided for, and I have no idea what's happening tomorrow. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, so with your um, aspects of your collective story, and since our listeners are women primarily, of course, um, that need to change for women, what do you think that needs to change for women to step into their power? I think in order for women to step into their power, women need to step out of some constructs. And the biggest construct is that we need a man to be complete and that life is safer with a man in your life. I think those are some constructs that um, we get pretty early on in you know, fairy tales and movies and and certainly throughout our indoctrination into this society um, is that this idea that we need to have someone to complete us. And it's a false notion, actually. It's completely false. And there's plenty of women who are living wonderful lives that do not fall. and, and, And even if you were in a relationship, you, it's still being in a relationship in a different way. It's being in a relationship willing to let it go at any moment. Being in a relationship knowing that you're standing on solid ground yourself and that you can be authentic and true to your own heart and speak that truth and that that knowing is a powerful knowing. It's getting back into our womb. It's getting back into that second chakra that says, I have an intuition. And then speaking from that place mm-hmm. and holding that truth um, and doing it whether you're in relationship or not. Right. I think as, as young girls, obviously all the fairy tales that we've you know watched in the movies, it um, it sets us up, I think, for failure you know, going into relationships, especially if you start out in an early marriage, if you're young, um, you know, so how are you teaching your, your sons and you don't have daughters, but you have two sons. How, how are you trying to prepare them for, you know, going into their relationships when that happens? I teach my sons about the four agreements. And so one of the things I love, one of the construct I have in my brain now is that everybody has this bubble around them and Mm -hmm. inside their bubble is all of their belief system their parents belief system their ancestors beliefs whatever they picked up from society that they agreed with basically whatever got into their sponge you know from zero to seven when they could not discern what to believe they believed everything and with so when you're approaching a person and um, you don't understand their behaviors, to consider that there's probably something inside that bubble that they don't even know that's there. And you're not responsible for it. 
Nobody is responsible right. for anybody but themselves. And to not take it personally. And the reason why we don't take it personally is because no one ever does anything because of us. They only ever do it because of themselves. So when we can step off the triangle, so the, there's this big triangle happening in our culture, the victim, rescuer, perpetrator con- triangle. And, uh, and women have gotten, you know, a little bit used to hanging out on the victim corner of that triangle. And that puts the men in the rescuer position or the perpetrator position. And so no matter which one of those positions they're in, it's going to flip. So if the man comes in as a rescuer, pretty soon she's not going to like what he's doing. Now he's a perpetrator. And so it's a not it's a no-win situation. You cannot be on any point in that triangle and be successful. So I'm teaching my sons, don't step on the triangle. If the woman wants to be in the victim and wants to be rescued, then you put her in personal responsibility. I love that. I think even even our sons need to learn these things. You know, we again, we're we're speaking to women here, but if we can kind of change the focus with our sons at that age, and the, I have a, a young 15-year-old son too, then maybe we can make a change, you know, in how they look at their relationships, right? And and if you, I mean, I know we're we're talking to women here, but it's something I would love for women to hear this message is that is think about roles and think about the roles that you're playing that are uncomfortable for you or not maybe not fully totally fulfilling for you to play, but you can get by because then it's safe, quote, if somebody's rescuing you. But then think about how tight the noose is on the men when mm-hmm. we put them in the role of provider. And do we really have to question where anger comes from when we see that noose tightening? So I think that um, I think our society could benefit from everyone stepping off the triangle and stepping into their personal responsibility mm-hmm. and then holding hands, you know, holding hands through the process. Sometimes maybe the man leans a little on you. Sometimes maybe you lean a little on the man, but you've both got your feet on the ground. Exactly. Exactly. And working, you know, supporting each other. And that's what this is all about, too, is lifting each other up and supporting each other, whether, you know, things are going right or wrong. Um, I You mentioned losing your parents, and we don't have a whole lot of time, but uh, who was the most um, influential growing up? Was it your mom or your dad? Well, it was, it's interesting. My mom was my steady parent, and I had three different fathers. So Mm -hmm. my natural father, my mother left because he was um, starting to move towards sexual inappropriateness with me starting at one. Then she married stepdad number one, who was um, violently uh, a violent drunk. And at age five, we met my dad. And so my dad has been with me, my my second stepfather, my dad, has been with me for since I was five years old. And he's provided a very stable um, background for me. And so it's interesting. I've got this, you know, three different models of dads Mm -hmm. and relationships between zero and seven. So my framework has a huge question mark. 
And I mm-hmm. think that question mark is what has allowed me to come to a lot of these realizations. So in a way, the male archetype has been my biggest teacher. I love that. I don't, I mean, what a, what a story between, you know, one and, and seven for you. Um, that's amazing, but it's also terrific that you, you know, the, the last one in your life um, was able to make a positive impact and, and hopefully got you through what you went through, you know, from zero to however old you were, four or five. Yeah. Five. Ah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, <laughs> it's the subject of my first book, Awakening to Me, and how energy medicine helped me to heal my inner child from all of that wounding that happened, which is one of the mm-hmm. reasons why I love it. Well, th- this has been such an inspirational story, Carrie. I'm so glad that you were on and able to share with our listeners. Um, can you uh, let us know if you have any special book offerings? You mentioned your um, free ebook version of, of We to Me. Yes. So I'm willing to give a free uh, electronic copy of From We to Me to anyone who signs up on my list on my website, from me to me.com. And you just have to sign up on the email list, and you'll get an automated email. And then I will send you a, a separate email with the ebook code to download it for free. That's terrific. Carrie, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was a pleasure. I love reaching out to women. I've been talking with Carrie Hummingbird, and we are going to take a short break, so please stay tuned. Every three minutes, another woman gets the news that she has breast cancer. And here are some of the first words she hears. Hertenew oncogene, aromatase inhibitor, ductal carcinoma in situ. What do these words mean? How are you going to decide what to do if you can't even say what you have? Listen to me, Shirley Jones. As soon as you get your diagnosis, go to breastcancer.org. It's a special place on the Internet where you can learn how to say all those breast cancer words and find out what they mean. At breastcancer.org, you can learn more about your particular kind of cancer and your treatment options. Prepare a list of questions for your next doctor's visit and get all kinds of other useful information to guide you and your family through this. Breastcancer.org, the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. You've been listening to the Tal Janus Radio Show. If you'd like to be a guest or suggest a guest for the show, or if you would like to nominate a fabulous female for a shout-out by Janus on the live show, please visit www.talljanus.com. Please share this episode with your social network and help us lift women up. Join us next week for another episode of Tell Janice.